The angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I that have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. This is the word of the Lord. It seems rather an intrusion to stand here and speak to your folks here. But dear God, I pray that as we open your word together and look at this subject you will speak. Lord, and stop our ears that we may hear what you want us to hear and then go and do what you want us to do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, before we go into this subject, I need to tell you folks about two miracles that have happened in our family this last week because you've been praying. And you know what? God answers prayer. Sometimes it takes two and a half years, but he answers prayer. Robin went into hospital when he was in London because he gets this um, arrhythmia in his heart. First prayer answered was that he didn't need to go to theatre to have it sorted out under anaesthetic. Big prayer answered. Second miracle was that as they were doing some examining and tests on his heart and his chest and his neck, they had to manipulate his head, which hurt him a lot because, as you know, he's been getting headaches. 
And then they let him out of hospital, and from that day, and we've now had a week and a day, he has not had a headache. Now, how we praise the God of miracles. Isn't that wonderful? So never give up praying. Sometimes it takes two and a half years, sometimes a lifetime. But God is good. Thank you for your support. Now we get into Exodus and Moses. But before we look at this amazing portion of God's word, we need to go back a little bit to the previous chapter and find out what had been going on. Moses had been rescued from slaughter as a baby, given back to his mother to nurse. Children weren't weaned till they were about three years old in those days because how would you keep milk cold? No fridges. So there we go. And then he was taken into the royal palace where the princess looked after him as her own son. And she called him Moses, which means drawn out. When he'd fully grown to manhood, we meet one of the earliest human rights fighters. Now this sermon, like most good sermons, doesn't have three points, it has four. Moses the Slayer. He was out visiting his Hebrew fellow countrymen when he saw firsthand the awful living and working conditions they were in. And he saw an Egyptian knock a fellow Hebrew fellow to the floor. Now this made him very angry. So what did he do? He checked around to see if anybody was looking. And thinking nobody was looking... He killed the Egyptian and he buried his body in the sand. But somebody did see. So Moses had to flee to the country away from there to Midian. Do you know, we can never get away with wrongdoing. I don't know about you, but I always get caught. There's always the blue light in the mirror or somebody saw you or something happened and I always get caught. Very annoying. But wrongdoing does bring consequences. Rightdoing brings results. Well, Moses arrived in Midian, which is about 150, 200 miles to the east of Egypt. While he was there, he protected some girls who'd come near the well to water their sheep because the shepherds, who were bullies and not very nice, were trying to chase them away. He got invited home for dinner married the daughter of the house, Zipporah, and becomes a shepherd. Now that is a thumbnail sketch of what has gone on before our story begins. And now we come to Moses the shepherd. What an enormous contrast this was between life as an Egyptian prince and his life now as a Midianite shepherd. As a prince, he'd had everything done for him, and he was famous son of an Egyptian princess, And now, as a shepherd, he had to do everything for himself. He was holding down the very job he'd been taught to despise. In Genesis 43, uh, verse 32, we learn that Egyptians wouldn't eat with Hebrews because it was detestable to them. That is a strong word. And also, in chapter 46, verse 34, it says... All shepherds are detestable to Egyptians. So you can see that he had come from the height to the depths. 
It was a very humbling experience for Moses. But God had brought him there for a reason. And the reason was that he was preparing him, first of all, how to live the life of shepherding, which meant that he would be able to lead people, and also how to cope with desert life. And he's going to have to have a combination of these two things. Now, sometimes we are in situations, are we not, where we are brought from the height to the depths. Have you ever been in situations like that? God has been so real somewhere to you, and then something has happened, and you're down. And he's brought you down, and you think, what is this about? And something amazing comes out of it. And we, you know that we have experienced this in our family. But amazing things comes out of these times, as we will see here with Moses. Now this is Moses the surprised. We come to this extraordinary incident. Now bushes often caught fire in the desert because of the dry heat. But this was peculiar. It didn't turn to ashes and dust. How weird. It kept on burning and therefore warranted investigation. Now, God often uses unexpected sources when he works in our lives as well. Are we willing to investigate what God wants from us? We may not see a burning bush, but he'll use people and thoughts and experiences to surprise us. Be ready to listen. Now, God called to Moses by name. I love that. He called to him by name. He didn't say, hey, shepherd. He knew his name. When I was growing up, I suppose, well, I was in my early 20s and I met Robin and we were about to get married. I had the most peculiar, funny thing happen to me. I thought, well, who is this girl I am? I had a mother who spoke at lots of meetings and services, Mrs. Murray's daughter. I had a sister who was amazingly good at everything, Pam's sister. I had a husband who could speak for England, Robin's wife. Who is this person? And it's easy, isn't it, to lose your identity. And yet God has our names engraved in his hand. He knows our names. And that has been a huge source of comfort to me. And I know it must have been to Moses. What a shock to find this bush burning. Moses? Moses? Me? Moses? Yes, you, Moses. Now, what is this going on? He saw this bush and said, who is it? He didn't say, what is it? I think he must have realized that this was something divine. He didn't say, what is this? He said, who is it? Many people in scripture saw God, but not in human form. Abraham saw a smoking fiery pot and a flaming torch. And God led the Israelites with pillars of cloud and with fire. But he didn't identify himself straight away to Moses, but he said, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Taking off his shoes was an act of reverence, conveying his unworthiness before God. And when God told him who he was, he covered his face with his hands, 
terrified to look at God. Have you ever been in that position? Have you ever felt that God is so real you could just put your hand out and touch him? And it's awesome in the best sense of that word, isn't it? Absolutely awesome. And we feel we can hardly breathe because he's so close. But God is our friend and he's also our sovereign Lord. So to approach him in a frivolous manner shows an enormous lack of respect. When we come to worship, do we come casually or as an invited guest before the King of Kings? Maybe God is challenging us about our attitude. Is it suitable for approaching a holy God? The ground that Moses was standing on wasn't holy by nature, but it was made so by God's divine presence. So wherever we meet with him for prayer or Bible reading, for meditation on his word, that place for us is holy ground. I've got a little office in my home, and that's my holy ground. It seems to have a special atmosphere for me, and that's where I meet with God, where I have my prayer time and my Bible reading, and where we just converse, and where we're comfortable in each other's company. And that is my holy ground. But it's not the only holy ground. When we come here to worship, when we gather around the Lord's table, maybe when we're beside a patient in hospital who is dying, or we've just seen a brand new baby born, there are places that are holy, where God is so real and so precious. So what happened on this holy ground? And what happens when we are before God in a place like that? Well, then we find Moses the seer. God gives us a new vision. And he entrusted Moses with the most amazing task But always remember that if God gives you a task, it is never greater than the power that is behind you. I love that. The task ahead is never greater than the power behind. I would never dare stand up here if I didn't believe that. It is very true. Very true. God's promise stands for us as it did for Moses. I will be with you, he promised him. He is totally trustworthy. And if the way ahead looks daunting, well, God is there with us. Now, we've been given new visions for the church, haven't we? We've been thinking about this for ages. Which way is God leading us? What is his vision for us? Are we prepared to step out in faith like Moses was? And he had the most astronomic job to do. Don't forget the power behind I will be with you. So I'll leave you with this wise advice that was given to us as young people by our lovely pastor, Mr. Channon, when we were growing up. Never doubt in the dark what you knew to be true in the light. Go out boldly with your hand in God's hand and know that he will direct your paths and you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. For Jesus said... I am the way. Do you know, God doesn't call the equipped. 
He equips those he calls. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that we have had experiences of standing on very holy ground. And God, we feel your presence here.